0: Welcome back, my friends, to the Mail Right Real Estate Agent Podcast Show. This is episode 127, and our guest today is Liat Siegel, and she is with Hadar Interior Design, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. But first, Liat, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Will you you tell? Oh, you're welcome. And will you please share with our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, uh, what you do and and how you do it?
1: Sure. Sorry, my kids are... Probably you can hear them in the background screaming. <laughs> um, yes, I am Liat Siegel from Hadar Interiors. I am an interior designer. Um, and I work with uh, hotels to help, help them set themselves apart from the competition. Um, I also help restaurants and um, other uh, businesses in the, in the hospitality industry Um, creating an experience, a -a one-of-a-kind experience um, for their guests.
0: Nice. And then I would imagine that carries over to the real estate community too, right?
1: Definitely. Um, It's really incredible how when you create that experience, that online to offline experience, um, where consumers, buyers will know what they're getting um, before they even step into the space. And then when they actually come in the sp- into the space, it's consistent with what they saw online. Um, it just makes the sale that much faster, that much easier, and you can potentially um, sell it for the home for more money.
0: Yeah, there's a... There's, uh, um there's a big problem uh, between what people see online in photography and what they walk into. Um, kind of like the same experience they have with their realtor when they see a photo of them online and then the actual realtor shows up and they're 15 to 20 years older than that photo. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> but, yes, that's so exactly what it is. Builds,
0: it builds more trust if they walk in and hey, what I'm seeing on my screen is right here in front of me, it matches, it's, it's not a trick photography. Yeah. Well, we're going to dive into some questions. Um, I I have um, three sets of questions for you from three different areas, um, but I want to let Jonathan introduce himself, my illustrious co-host. Jonathan, welcome to the show and say hi to everyone.
2: Oh, thanks, Thomas. Yes, I'm the founder of Mail Rights. We're a platform that gets quality leads um, to our clients, which are real estate agents and professionals with emphasis on Facebook. Back to you, Thomas.
0: I'm Thomas J. Nelson. I'm a residential realtor with Big Block Realty here in America's finest city, San Diego, California. All right, we're gonna get back over here with uh, some questions, cause I wanna cover a few things. I wanna talk about design. I, I also know that you um, have a lot of uh, expertise in Facebook marketing. And then I thought we'd wrap it up with talking about the Work-Life Balancing Act that we all do as professionals, especially uh, small business owners. Um, that As have families. <laughs> so.
1: yes, I balance it all. <laughs>
0: yeah. So let's start with interior design. So, uh, and this is the chicken and the egg question. What came first? Uh, were you working with realtors first or are you working with hotels and restaurants first?
1: So it, neither, really. Huh? Um, <laughs> I um, started off working in the residential arena. Um, I still do some of that. But um, I was really... Facebook, um, Facebook really, Facebook ads really helped me to focus my niche and helped me, um, understand my strengths and what I'm able to deliver best for my clients. So, you know, I would, I would, um, do my ads and I would try to get the target audience right. And I would have my content and it just, wouldn't work. And then I'd go and I tweak and I do it again and again and again, until I had to dive so deep and ask myself questions over and over and over again, until I was able to, um, uncover, um, what my, my niche specifically was. And in that process, one of those, um, niches that I explored was the real estate industry. And because I'm a very, uh, I'm very business focused, I have a, you know, I'm not just an interior designer. I have that business mindset. So I understood that having quality design in a space increases the ROI. Yep. Um, so,
0: yeah. Well, I think, okay. So we're, we'll kind of blend the the first two topics because you brought up Facebook and Um, I think it's interesting that uh, trying to create a better, uh, more effective Facebook ad actually taught you more about who you were as a designer and who you're actually trying to connect with uh, because I I think that's one of the big mistakes we make uh, as entrepreneurs, not not just realtors, but we want to serve everybody and everybody we can't possibly serve. So we have to drill down. But then we have that fear of, well, if I focus on this, I'm missing out on that. Right. But if you're all over the place, you're really not really, it's like, you know, trying to throw, you know, seven fishing poles in the water, but you only have one person, man, in the poles. Eventually something's going to get away anyhow. So you might as well focus.
2: Correct. I just want to say something. I think the both of you have just made an enormously powerful point about, it's very counterintuitive, isn't it? Um, that to be effective, you need to actually niche fire and not to appeal to everybody, which is yeah. enormously counterintuitive, isn't it?
0: It is. I, I was recently interviewed on ESPN radio, and I remember when they asked me to introduce myself, I had this sick feeling in my stomach as I <laughs> only mentioned one neighborhood in San Diego and one demographic because wow. I really felt, okay, if I'm going to hit this audience... I, I wanted to have them focus. And, and if I tried to tell them five different neighborhoods and, and six different demographics, I'd lose them. So I had to practice what I preach. But even though I knew it was the right thing to do, it still felt horrible saying, because in my mind, I'm going, I, I only limited it to this neighborhood and this age group. Um, exactly. So h- yeah, how it's
1: painful, but it's really important. It means you're doing the right
2: work.
0: Yeah, exactly. So they, so now the, um, so working residentially led to working with uh, residential realtors, and, and then that led to more of your commercial work. Yes. Okay. So one of the challenge, and I, I'm sorry, are you are you based in New York? Do I have that right?
1: I am. Yes, uh, with okay. offices in Texas as well.
0: Oh, okay. So you you, you uh, jet set between the two.
1: We just um, started a partnership with a construction company out in Texas to help with their rebuilding efforts after Hurricane Harvey. Oh, wow. So our plan is, yes, to be going back and forth.
0: Nice. Well, I, I don't know, and I don't know if you've um, been in Texas long enough to to assess how they receive interior design, but um, I would imagine in New York, it's probably um, seen uh, with a, more of a value than I've seen Californians Uh, receive it because I know so many uh, of my listings, I've tried to encourage the um, either working with what they have or um, bringing in furniture to a vacant house to define the rooms. And it is such a hard sell with people because they don't see the value in spending the money. Um, How do you address that?
1: Yeah, it's a really, really awesome question, and that's where I think that I was so excited about serving the real estate um, market industry because if you come to it from a business ROI perspective, it's a no-brainer. If you look at the stats and you look at um, the Real Estate Staging Association, it's undeniable. When you stage a home, you can sell it for ninety percent faster, a ninety percent faster, and you can make you know, um, much more money, more than the asking price. So when you present it that way, um, it's clear as day that that is, you know, whether, whatever the notions are about interior design and, and, um, how much it's going to cost or not, it's in the facts. Um, are there um, and speak loudly that if you spend a little bit, you make a little bit of an investment upfront, even as the real estate agent yourself, like yourself paying for an interior designer to come stage your home. Um, it's you're going to make that money back.
0: Well, and let's, let's unpack that a little because what, what you're, what you're saying is if I invest five grand, maybe on a couple months of uh, good staging and decor, Mm-hmm. what essentially, how am I going to make more money? Well, because more people are going to be interested in the property. The the fact that there's more interest is going to create an urgency, which there's your 90% faster factor yeah. mm-hmm. because now they're, 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 they're going into that multiple offer situation, which is how we raise prices. So essentially, if I spend the five grand uh, or whatever, the uh, I'm picking an arbitrary price, um, but I make 10 grand on it even, I mean, that's like going and putting 5000 down in Vegas and doubling your money in one roll. So, yes. but I would imagine for you the challenge is because we as realtors are challenged selling this to our clients and now you've got to sell it to realtors who are doubting it because their clients are doubting it. So, you got to get through to the consumer but your gatekeepers in, in a lot of cases is the realtor. So, what are you doing- besides the stats, I mean, do you use before and after? Do you, do you have like, um, do you you have like a portfolio of, of, um, of your past clients and you show them like, how does it work with your sales process for realtors?
1: So basically number one is I, when I recognized that the issue was that the clients don't understand, I went right to the realtors. I was like, Hey, don't you want to make don't you want to save on the, well, first of all, it's saving the carrying costs for um, the homeowner. But in addition, if, you know, an average home um, is on the market for a hundred days or whatever it nine ninety 90 to a hundred plus days. um, And you want to sell that faster. um, It's a no brainer for them to put down the money in order to make it back faster and to, um, have a return on that investment. So rather than selling it to the real estate agent who's then gonna sell it to the homeowner, I'm just going directly to the real estate agent and telling them what the benefits are of them doing it themselves. That's number one. Number two is if you show them before and afters, um, it's also an amazing tool to help them understand just how, um, how much it increases the home's value. Um, and then, you know, just through my own marketing at that time, when I was working with the real estate agents, um, it was just doing some talks and helping them understand the breakdown. It's, it's, it wasn't so much of a sell for me. It was, you know, when I spoke to them, I was told them all the facts, I broke it down. I showed them the before and afters and they were like, okay, I get it. You know,
0: (laughs) well, I mean, and that makes sense. Uh, but so, but what you're coaching agents on is that they take on that cost instead of the client. Correct. Okay. And, and how's that being received?
1: Um, so, so they understood it and they, you know, they, they understood that if they take on that cost, they're going to make it back quickly. I mean, in, for a real estate agent that isn't used to marketing, isn't used to Implementing marketing strategies, it's going. The barrier to entry is much harder. Right. Somebody who's innovative, whatever age they are, whatever you know, generation. If they're if they have that innovative mindset, they're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to try it out because I'm going to set myself apart from the competition. No one's doing this. This is a space that, you know, that I can really um, position my my firm as, you know, one of a kind, and then. As a whole, maybe onboard new agents. You know, build your firm up to the next level and scale it. Right. So, as a business decision, as somebody who's business focused is going to see this and understand the val- the immense value. You know, put, it's basically spending this money up front with an interior designer is marketing dollars.
0: So, and and I, I guess what I'm seeing then is because the, the what from your example the resistance would be well uh, well I'm going to spend five thousand but I'm only going to make twelve so I'm 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 out the five how is that helping me but to your point but if you're selling at top dollar or above top dollar or a market value I should say um, and selling faster your reputation is going to precede you and you what you're going to maybe lose. In the initial investment, it, you're going to make up for in volume because the demand for your service is going to go up because Correct. you are setting yourself apart.
2: Correct. And
0: I, and I think that's important is we get too focused on what we're going to make per deal instead of looking at our quarter or our year and say, what okay, instead of worrying about what I'm going to make per deal, what, how can I double my production? Correct. And, Okay. So
2: well, I also, also think it's linked to our discussion last week, really, Thomas, where you were talking about the predictions for 2018 from Buffini, Brian Buffini, where you say, when you said to me the the buyer is still looking for real good value, is still edgy. You know, it's right. not as easy as people thinking in the present market. And having a house that's properly presented that you. Uh, that also sells much quicker than the average is beneficial not only to your reputation as a professional agent, but to your bottom line, is it not?
0: It it is because the misconception right now is because it's still um, inventory-wise a seller's market is that you just throw a sign up and sell it. But um, I just closed a deal on a house that sat for 70 days I brought the buyer in because it was overpriced for all the deferred maintenance. And my clients are like, well, look, you know, once I buy the house, I don't have the cash to do all these repairs. So why would I want to buy a broken house? And these sellers needed to reconcile this, that 70 days on the market in this kind of market, the market's telling you something. And so, uh, and, and it was partially furnished and partially vacant. So it was hodgepodge. Um, And I think it would have probably been a more attractive house if it had been staged consistently because my clients went back three times before they even wrote an offer because we were trying to figure out two of the rooms. Like, how do we, what is the purpose of this room, this giant room that seems to be just a thorough way from the kitchen to the front door type of thing? And I think that's one of the things that stagers and interior designers do is they help define a room uh, or even show people in an odd shape room how to set up the furniture, because right. I've literally heard buyers say, "I don't know how to set up my living room with this, you know, triangle living
2: room."
1: Yeah, definitely. And also, what happens is that the people that are living there now have their home set up exactly the way that they want it and that you know they envisioned and when you don't have the house set up in a way that the potential buyers can see themselves living in then you're doing yourself and your bottom line a disservice because most people don't have that kind of imagination to you know when i go into a room I automatically start moving furniture around without touching. it. <laughs> <me. laughs> like yeah. I, I can see how it can come together and what I can do and how I can, you know, paint in this color or put up beams over there. You know, I can see that, but for most people, they can't. So by setting up a room exactly like you're saying, the homeowner, the potential buyer is coming and they're seeing themselves in the space. And um, it's so powerful. It's, it's, I don't have enough words to explain how powerful that is.
0: Well, and to your point, I mean, uh, like in my example I gave, you've got um, 60-something-year-olds selling a home to 30-something-year-olds. There's a right. huge generation gap of you know, furniture taste and, and use of rooms. I mean, they, the younger generation are not using homes the way uh, my parents used uh, a home. You know they they're not interested in formal dining rooms and formal living rooms. They want great rooms. And then how do you you give them a great room? But then if you don't stage it properly, it looks like a huge waste of space. Right. And I, and I've never heard that term or that phrase more in the, than in the last couple of years. Where um, my younger buyers will walk in and go, "Wow, look at all the wasted space." And I, I'm I'm uh, it, it takes me back that they recognize that, and it, but it's not, it's not a waste of space the way they built the house. It's the way they set up the room. Correct. They're not utilizing all the square footage. So it feels like, well, why am I paying for the square footage if it's just going to hold a plant?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, plants. We're going to have to go for our break, folks. And when we come back, we're going to continue the discussion. We're always going to ask Leah, what is it like going on Rick's show, The Art of Paid Traffic, one of the leading Facebook podcasts at the present moment? And she had a one on one with Rick, which is um, interesting. So we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Mm-hmm power of staging why it's still important and I think now we'll probably go on to your interview with Rick on the art of paid traffic so I'd, I'd like to start it off um so um was it really hard to get on his show and what were some of the main things that you learned through that one-to-one um so
1: I was in one of his recent courses for local Facebook ads and um, they reached out to me to hear some of my feedback and my opinions. And, um, and I'm very, you know, free flowing. (laughs) So I'll give my opinions and talk, whatever. And um, so they asked me to come on the show um, so that, you know, Rick could do an assessment of, um, of my, my results, um, through his course. And, um, it was really fun to be on the show and to speak to him one-on-one and get to hear his feedback.
2: So what were some of the main things you think you'd learned through that consultation?
1: Um, the number one thing, uh, which was a theme that kept on repeating itself, like i had said in the beginning was, um, content is king, you know, making sure that all of my content and how I was communicating to my target audience was consistent and was powerful.
2: What? So on reflection, do you think there was a lot of, you know, obviously, it was obvious through the interview, um, there'll be a link in the show notes, folks, to to that episode, um, that you were on reflection, even though you were spending a lot of time on Facebook, you weren't giving a co- coherent message to your audience. 100%
1: yeah um, I mean, I know who I am, but I didn't know who my clients were enough to use the proper languaging to um create an offer that was right for them mm. and um that was enticing enough for them and something that a lot of I see a lot of business owners do a mistake that a lot of business owners do is that you know. We're in the beginning, especially as we're understanding and um, going on to the online world um, and of Facebook ads and, and marketing is that we are so desperate to make things work. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems so easy with all the courses that are out there and all the, um, the offers that are, you know, you can make money in 90 days or whatever it is, um, that we're so desperate to make it work that we're just throwing ourselves out there and we assume what our clients want rather than asking them, what is it that you want? What is it that you're looking for? What are you struggling with? But really, really understanding, diving deep into understanding what they want and, um, and delivering that to them. So through, through that, um, process that's how I was able to really niche down and really understand now uh, it's fluid like it's one and the same for me I understand completely obviously not completely there's always learning and growing but um I understand much more what my audience wants and um and how to deliver it to them
2: I think the other thing um that I got from the interview was that you were really struggling stru- struggling that's probably not totally the right word um you having difficulties investigating trying to find the right audience in the Facebook platform and I I like your thoughts around that because I think that's one of the hardest things about Facebook and using the platform is finding the right targeted audience
1: correct yeah that's definitely um was one of my uh, biggest struggles and um also recognizing that it's not, Facebook ads is not, even though I understand it and I understand strategy, which is very important, um, it's not one of my strong suits. <laughs> so I definitely, you know, as an entrepreneur, as, uh, you need to reach out to other people that can help you do it, whether that means hiring an agency or, um, you know, really, really, really understanding how to do it. Um, Otherwise, Facebook target audiences is, is, uh, for me at least, it was very difficult.
0: What brought you to Rick? Um, You you mentioned you were a student of his. Had you tried other things or was Rick your first uh, venture into getting help with Facebook?
1: So I have been learning about Facebook ads for a few years already and I've been trying to run them um unsuccessfully. <laughs> and um or shall I say successfully because I am where I am today because I learned so much. All right.
0: The stepping um, stones.
1: Yeah. So so you know for his the reason why I took his course was because it was focused on local ads um and I felt that that was an area that I didn't know enough about um how to target into the local local audience versus, you know, um online.
0: Is that what led you to boutique hotels and restaurants? Was that a result of that?
1: Um, I would definitely say that it had a huge impact. Um, Going through the real estate arena and that together, those things. And then I had some other things also. I'm in... um, Um, a mastermind, a year-long mastermind. And I had also another three-month mastermind. And I had all these people around me that I was constantly talking to because I didn't feel that everything was aligned. I didn't feel that it was quite right yet. And just all these things and just understanding that there's an ROI to design really helped, led me to wanting to work with hotels because that's ROI on a massive scale.
0: Yeah. Now, is that, I mean, are you doing lobbies or are you doing their restaurants, their rooms, everything? I mean, how are they engaging your services?
1: So it's basically everything. It's from beginning to end. And also um, I'm coming in also as a strategist, helping them understand that um, I, I created what's called the road method, return on emotional design. Uh-huh. And um basically it's based on the principles that design um is an emotional um it's an emotional journey and you have to have touch points for your audience whether it's in the real estate industry or it's in the hospitality industry, there has to be touch various touch points. So like I was saying from online to offline from the first time that they're visually seeing the space to the time that they come in and they feel the fabrics and, you know, they taste the fine wine and, you know, they, they um, go into the spa and whatever it is along the, their, their customer journey that it's consistent and it's, it's expressing what the brand stands for. Rather than just being a business that you know delivers a, a service or a product, it's this unforgettable experience now um, that sets you apart from any other business out there.
2: So, what I'm seeing here, um, I'd, I'd be interested to see if you agree, and also Thomas, as you were talking, you were kind of describing a journey, you were. Um, it It was like it was obviously that you were passionate about it, and you had a lot of knowledge, but you also you were drawing almost through language a, a picture a journey um, and what what I think you're saying is that your Facebook marketing, your website, and all the other things you do online has to support that story which you're wow. you're trying to tell to your a target audience that in the end would be interested in your products and services.
0: Correct. Well, and I mean, w- w- what she touched on also was that uh, there has to be a consistency from start to finish. So it starts with what you see online. And then when you arrive and have that experience from using the hotel, as an example, um, from check-in to room experience to restaurant and overall experience to checkout. I mean, it, it has to be consistent. And, you know, we talked about this last week, Jonathan, where, you know, one of the keys to success is to stand out with your service in 2018. Because there's, I mean, you go online now, there's how many hotels, there's how many realtors, there's how many interior designers, how do you set yourself apart? People got to be bragging on your service. They got to, the, the word of mouth and the and the referrals come from the experience they have and then wanting other people to have that same experience because they care about them and that's how the grassroots of this spreads Mm -hmm. so what what liat's describing although she was talking about a hotel insert any business and they should be shooting for that same goal with their clientele
1: exactly and that is so so powerful
0: well, um, are we good on time or do we need to jump over to YouTube at this point? I
2: think we'll wrap it up now. We yeah. go on and um, I think we. We'll, I'd like to discuss a little bit more about Facebook and what um, has been learned about using it. but um, And also talk about um, this um, personal and um, business life balance because I think that's important as well, isn't it, Thomas?
0: Yes, and, and we have a mother of five, is that correct, Liat? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I think we have an expert here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for the purposes of our podcast, folks, we're gonna sign off now and uh, we'll hope you'll join us over on YouTube for some bonus content. Uh, in the meantime, I wanna thank Liat for joining us on our podcast. And Liat, will you share with folks how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you and your services?
1: Yeah, definitely. You can uh, reach us at info at Hadar, H-A-D-A-R, interiors with an S.com. And uh, you can also check out our website, uh, hadarinteriors.com.
0: And Jonathan, if folks wanted to get in touch with you for mail, right, how would they do that?
2: I'll go to the Mel Riot website, mel-riot.com. Um, you'll find all the interviews with show notes and other resources on the website. Go to our Facebook group, which um, we hope to get going in the new year. It's set up, but we need to do more work on that. And join the conversation. Join the tribe, as I would say. Um, we've got a loyal listener um, band of people, um, which is growing. So join that as well. How can people get a hold of you, Thomas?
0: Well, I make it simple. They just go to thomasjnelsonrealtor.com or you can find me on Facebook uh, and I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or do the old fashioned thing and call me here in San Diego at 858-232-8722. I'm here as a non-sales consultant and of course for buyers, sellers and investors in San Diego real estate. Uh, We thank you for joining us on this week's show, folks. And if you want to hear a little bit more, Come on over to YouTube now where we continue the conversation. Bye-bye.